Yes. Okay, Beruchim Abayim, welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. Book number 26. We are starting our subject of Emunah. Like we've mentioned, it is not possible for a person to achieve a life that is full of simha without a clear, strong, and living emuna. So we're going to be starting specific discussions about emuna. I don't know how long that's going to take. And I don't know that you're going to find a lot of Hidushim in these classes of Emunah. But it is important that we should learn a subject from the beginning and work ourselves up all the way to the end. I don't know that we'll be able to do that. I don't know if I'm even competent to do that. But that is the goal. Which means that in life very often we hear a lot of things from different people in different books and we kind of gather from all of that on our own a certain understanding of what something is or it isn't. I think our goal here is to try to build from the beginning to understand what is supposed to be, where it comes from and build ourselves up that we have a clear path in totality, not just from different parts that we made up together. We will start with the beautiful words of the Lev Eliyahu who says that just like the physical body must have food and must have oxygen in order to survive, as we've mentioned many times, the human body is, a, is an example, is a mashal to the human soul. Can we close those doors, please? Thank you. So just like the body cannot survive without food and oxygen, the neshama of the person cannot make it without food and oxygen as well. It's a different kind of food, different kind of oxygen. Now food is something that you need every once in a while. Oxygen you need all the time. The oxygen of our neshama, where we expect to get our simha as we've discussed, that the location where simha emanates from is the neshama, we need to have our neshama healthy. In order to have a healthy neshama, it needs to get its oxygen. Oxygen is something it needs all the time. The oxygen of the neshama, says the level Yao, is emuna. What exactly is emuna? That this is the oxygen that our soul needs. 
So I will explain to you just a simple translation of the word emunah. There are things in life that a person knows clear, black on white, no doubt. And then there are things that a person knows through the vehicle of emunah. Things that cannot be proven with the five senses, they may not be able to be seen or heard or touched. But they're built on an emunah that is able to get the person to the same clarity as if he himself witnessed it. I'll give you an example. Here's an example of black and white information. A person goes outside, he sees the sun is out. That's clear information. His eyes see it, his body feels it. That you don't need emuna. That's seeing the information with one or more of your senses. When a person sees his bank account and sees how much money is in the account. That's a black and white piece of information. Doesn't require emuna to see how much is in the account. On the other hand, an example of emuna, knowledge that comes through emuna, person, for example, who is sick, there's something in the body that's hurting them. They feel the pain. The doctor tells them where it's coming from. Then someone tells them, but really the pain is not from the physical body. Really, the source of that pain comes from a higher power. The creator of the world sent you that pain. I don't see that. I don't see the creator of the world sending me that pain. He didn't tell me that. He didn't show me that. In fact, the body proves otherwise. My pain is coming from my legs. I feel it. It's right here. The doctor even says so. So now I need to have emuna that it's not the way my physical senses are seen. That's not black and white. That's not like seeing the sun. I need emuna to get me to where my eyes normally get me or my ears normally get me. If I would tell you that a person who speaks Lashon Hara is contaminating their soul. So someone would hear that and say, okay, I, I don't feel that. I don't see it. I don't see any contamination on my soul. I don't see my soul altogether. So I'm going to need Emunah to get me to where my eyes would see a stain on a shirt. That I don't need Emunah for. 
that I could see. But to tell me there's a stain on my soul because I spoke ill of another person, I need emunah to get me there. Someone tells you that a person who's mehalel Shabbat, a Jew who's mehalel Shabbat, has caused great destruction to his soul. That's something that you cannot see. No human can see that with their eyes. You need emunah to get you there. <clears throat> Does it make a difference what I eat or what I do or what I speak? And if the answer is a spiritual answer, so you're going to need emunah to get you to the clarity of the reality. Now, is it possible that emunah can bring a person to clarity as if they would see it with their own eyes? So the answer is yes, and we do it all the time. I'll give you a real-life example. A person goes to a supermarket and they buy a box of chocolates. Someone sees you holding the box of chocolates. He says, what do you have in there? And you say, chocolate. Now, in reality, you never saw the chocolate. You have no idea what's in that box. So, but you know, and I know, that you're 100% sure that there's chocolate in the box. But you didn't open the box. How do you know there's chocolate in that box? The answer is, you have emunah. You have emunah in who? In the manufacturer of this box and the store who puts this box on their shelves. They have developed a certain amount of trust in your mind that if they say there is chocolate in this box, you know there is chocolate in the box, even though you never saw that chocolate. And Munah can get you to a clear understanding or knowledge, even if you didn't see it with your own eyes. If a person is told by his wife, assuming they have a normal relationship, and he's on his way home, and his wife says, we're having rice and chicken for dinner. And one of his friends, in a conversation that happens two minutes later, while he's in the car, says, so what are you having for dinner tonight? Oh, tonight we're having rice and chicken. How do you know? You didn't see the rice and chicken. Answer is, I have emunah. Because my wife has earned, at least for rice and chicken, enough emunah that I don't just hope there's rice and chicken or think there might be rice and chicken. I know there's rice and chicken. I don't know that I can have that same emunah with a stranger. I don't know if an off-brand can find a, can find a box in the street and I'm going to assume for sure that whatever is drawn on the picture is what's inside. I don't know if I can do that. But the more I trust 
the people or the things I'm looking at, the more clear knowledge I will have of whatever it is they're saying. So again, let's review. We learned that things that you could see or touch or listen to, anything that uses the five senses, you don't need emunafo. You see it, black on white, clear. Things that you do not feel with your senses. So one might say, so that means those types of things, you can never actually know if they're true. But you can. Just like you know there's chocolates in the box, even though you never saw it. It is possible to know that something is 100% true, even if your physical senses has not touched it, seen it, smelled it, heard it. How do you get to that same knowledge? There is something called emuna. This emuna is a conduit that can take a person to a reality that his senses cannot feel and cannot see. So like I said, you could have emuna in a person, you can have emuna in a company, you can have emuna in a box. When we speak about emuna, we're speaking about emuna in the creator of the world. In the anima amin we say, anima amin be'emuna shelema. I have full emuna. Now it's easy to say those words, but our job is to really believe it, live it. But this is at least what we're trying to have emuna in. That the Creator, who levado asa. It is only He that created the world. He created the world from nothing. So whatever you see, any reality that you see, He made. Not only did He create the world, and also He is involved. Like we say in Tehillim, Seemingly that is the wrong grammar. In Hebrew means he is the one making heavens and earth. But Hashem is not making heavens and earth. He made. The answer is though, Hashem is Oseh. Which means that Hashem didn't check out. He is here. He is involved. You need emunah to get to knowing there's a creator. And you need emunah to know that he is involved in everything that's going on in your life and everything going on in everybody's life. That you need emunah for. You don't necessarily see that with your eyes. Now obviously there are ways to get to emunah. I don't know that we're going to be spending time on that right now. But you need to have enough trust in the creator of the world that you read these words and it's obvious, like the box of chocolates. You know, there are three types of people. The first one is not relevant. These are what we call kofrim. A kofir is a person who is a non-believer. 
doesn't even believe in the existence of God. And we're going to talk about that guy next week. Or people like that. This person thinks the world, as wild a thought as, a thought as that sounds like, the world came to be on its own. Even though that same person, if you would try to convince him that the table you're sitting in front of came on its own by accident, they would laugh and ridicule you. Because how could it be that a table with four legs made of metal and painted and has certain features about it all came together to make a table? How could that be? You know what it would take to have this table happen by accident? Imagine there was a hurricane outside and there was all metal and wood and paint and all of a sudden, because of the great tornado that came, it turned everything upside down and all of a sudden we found this table. No one would believe that. Yet a person is able to actually say that the world came to be on its own. It was a big bang. It just, things blew up and boom, there you have it. Now how a person can actually believe such a thing, that you need real emunah for. But next week we'll discuss that. For now, let's just make that a category. These are people who have no emunah. But then there's a second group of people who do believe that clearly there's a creator to this world. But they view the world almost like a car. If I would tell you, did someone make the car that you're driving? You say, of course. So you're saying he's involved in your car daily? He's in the car driving? No, no, it's not like that. The manufacturer made the car and then he said, done. And now it's yours. You do what you want with it. You want to drive? You want to go fast? You want to go slow? You want to play bumper cars with it? It's up to you. I'm not getting involved with it. The manufacturer has nothing to do with your car from the minute you get the car. He put it all in order. He put it all together. And now it's your car. What you do is on your own. This group of people will say, of course Hashem created the world. But He's involved in everything that's going on in every person's life for some people that may seem like come on that's too much well computers today has given people a little idea that what you think may be too much all of a sudden one little chip is able to do it can make billions of calculations at the same time and that's just one little creation of the creator but others will say, come on, it's not too much. Yes, Hashem wanted to see and be involved in every single thing that's going on in the world. Of course, He could do it. He's the creator of the world. I don't doubt that. But why would He? They would say something like, Ram al kol goyim Hashem. Hashem is too high to be involved in my silliness. You think Hashem is involved in my stupidity. Come on. And that guy's silliness too. And every single little thing, he's going to be involved. Don't you think he has better things to do? Ram al kol goyim Hashem. 
He's too elevated to be involved in every single person's life, in every single thought, in every single thing that happens. It's not Lefi Kevodo. It's not according to his honor. Imagine you would see the governor or the president and he's getting involved in some simple man's life and getting involved in every detail. We would tell him, sir, don't you have better things to do? You're running a country. What are you doing? You're getting involved in this guy's bills. If he should be, if he should get 10% off on Con Ed, if he should pay the monthly that he should pay. What are you doing? You're running a country. There are people looking for your guidance. What are you getting involved every day with this little guy? That's what we would say to him. You're, you're putting your kohot in the wrong place. So some will have this, I don't know if they'll say it, but that's what they maybe believe subconsciously, is that Hashem is too great. He's too elevated to be involved in such small things. But we, Am Yisrael, have clarity through our emunah that yes, we say, Mi Kadonai Elohenu. Who is like Hashem, our Creator? Hamagbihi Shabbat. Oh, he's very high up. Not high physically. Hashem is not physical. Magbihi means he's way elevated. He, when, you, when he's compared to anything going on in this world, it's not, there's no, it's, it's not even a comparison. Magbihi la Shabbat is very elevated. Hamashpili lirot. But yet he lowers himself. Mashpili, mashpil, goes down. Lirot. Bashamayim ubaaretz. His elevation actually is such that he is able to get to the smallest detail. That's the con by by a by a human melech or by a human president, the reason why we tell him, what are you getting involved in this thing for? Because a human is limited in his ability. How many things can he do at one time? So we tell him, what are you wasting your energy with this little guy? You want to have to run a country. But if he would be elevated and that he would be able to be involved in every single detail of everybody's life in this country. Now that would be an elevation. Hamagbihi Lishashevet. Oh, he's very high. But Mashpililot, he's able to go very, very low to be involved in every little thing that's going on in every single person's life. That's what Am Yisrael declares every single day. Hashem commanded us to read a pasuk every day two times. It's a very big Torah with a lot of chokmah, a lot of wisdom, a lot of direction, a lot of good things going on in that Torah. But yet there's only one portion that Hashem says you must read it every single day. Not only once a day, twice a day. No other portion you have to read at all, specifically that portion. But this one is twice a day. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. This is addressing the first group that we mentioned. The first group says that there's no creator. We say, Shema Yisrael. Listen, Israel. Hashem, Yudke Vavke. Yudke Vavke means Hashem is the one that brought into this, that brought this world into being. 
And then we say, Elokenu. The word Elokenu, we don't say, notice, we don't say Elokim. We don't say Hashem Elokim. Hashem, the God, is one. We say Elokenu. He is my God. He is your God. He is every single individual's God. He is involved in every single one of our lives. He is intimately involved in our lives. That's the second group that says, no, no, he's doing his own thing. He's got better things to worry about. And we say, no, Elokenu. He is my God. He is involved in my life. And then there's a third group of guys who say, yes, of course he's a creator. And yes, we know he's involved. He told us he's involved. But he has other helpers too. He has mazalot, all the different stars, all the different things going on in the world that assist him. Maybe the sun is an assistant. He has the doctors that assist him, they help him. He has all types of people that also have power and he's with them, like they're together. So the doctor does a little and maybe God has to do a little too, together. Now, again, to the human eye, it makes sense. After all, the doctor has got the surgeon's knife and he's the one that cut whatever he cut. We're going to say, doctor didn't do anything. Look, he's a partner. I say, look, boom, he did it. So, okay, I got that far that I could see also God helped him. Also God helped him. But that that guy is not really relevant? He's not relevant at all? That's very hard for me to believe. That third group says, yes, Hashem is involved. I know. But he has assistance too. There are other causes that bring what happens into my life as a to reality. There are other things that make what happens to me the way it happens. Not just the Creator. There are other factors. And on that we say, no, no, no. Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Ehad. Ehad doesn't mean one, not two. It also means that. But it means that there isn't any one or anything in this world that has any power to affect our life except the creator of the world. And that, that needs to be explained. Again, we're going to explain that later on. But those are the three groups of people that we're addressing when we say, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Number one, there is a creator, Yudke Vavke. Elokenu, he is very involved in every single one of our lives. And he's Ahad. He doesn't have any helpers, not human helpers, not the solar system helpers. Nobody's helping him. He is the one, Ahad, by himself. There's nobody else. So when we speak about Emunah, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Knowing there's a creator to this world, I say knowing, knowing through Emuna that there's a creator to this world. We talk about knowing that he's involved in every single part of my life. And knowing through Emuna that nobody in this world 
can affect me in any way, good or bad, if he doesn't sign off on it. That's what living with emunah means. It's a lot. It's not something that you just pick up, you know, at the grocery store. This is not a small bag. This is a very big, big building that we're carrying. A person is capable of reaching emunah where all these three things will be a reality no different than a person who goes outside and puts an umbrella because he sees the rain coming down. You ask him, why you have an umbrella for? It's raining. How would you know? I see it. You don't need emunah to put an umbrella. But you need emunah to have all of these. But with emunah, these can make reality so clear like rain is coming on your head. Emunah gets us to all of these places that we just spoke about. And Hashem doesn't make it so easy for us. We say in, Tehil, in uh, Shira Shirim, the Pasuk says like this, Mashgiyah min hahalonot, talking about Hashem, that when He is taking care of this world, He's taking care of you and me, Mashgiyah, we've heard of the word Mashgiyah, someone who watches over, it could be a restaurant, it could be a yeshiva, a Mashgiyah, someone who's surveilling what's going on. Hashem is Mashgiyah, min, where is he Mashgiyah from? Where does he stand? Says Shalomu Amelech, Mashgiyah min halonot. He is Mashgiyah from windows. And then the Pasuk continues and says, Metzitz, and he looks, Min harakim. Harakim are those little holes that people put by their front door that when somebody knocks and they don't have a camera, they look at that hole to see who is outside. Mashgiyah min halonot. Mesitz mina harakim. Hashem is watching us through the windows, and Hashem is watching us from that little hole on the door, harakim. But really, this is a contradiction. The very big difference if someone is watching me from the window, if I have a mashgiach in the yeshiva, and he's upstairs by this big window watching what's going on down in the Bet Midrash, the very big difference than when you look up and you see him watching you, or if he's watching from the Harakim, if you look up, you don't see him. So which one is it? When Hashem watches over us, are we able to see him watch over us? Or we're not able to see him watch over us? The Pasuk seems to be saying, well, it's both. Mashgiyah mina halonot, the answer is, it depends. That there are times in our history as a nation, for example, where we saw Hashem like He is in the window. Where He was watching us and we watching Him. What happened in Mitzrayim that built the emunah of Am Yisrael, 
we saw Hashem's power in Mitzrayim. We saw it by the Ten Makot. We saw it by Keriat Yamsuf. We saw it for 40 years in the desert where we had man coming down from Shamayim, where we had water traveling with us, where we had all types of miracles that took place. People's clothing never needed to be washed. All types of miracles that happened in the Midbar. This was Mashgiyah Mina Halonot. And I will venture to say that it's not only in the time of Mitzrayim. That was a national display of open miracles. But I think that every person, if they looked in their life, they would find some halonot, some situations in their life where they could see, wow, I saw Yad Hashem. That was Yad Hashem. It doesn't, I don't know how that happened. There's no way that could happen. It doesn't make sense. Each person has in their life they don't happen all the time, but they happen. But the majority of the time, the way Hashem is watching over us is where we don't see Him. He's hiding behind a door for a good reason. The good reason, for now at least, we'll, start, we'll, we'll, we'll stop here. The good reason is that there should be free choice. If we would see Hashem Mashgiyah Mina Halonot, so then you don't really need Emunah. And Emunah is one of the biggest objectives in our lives, as we'll see, maybe the biggest one, the biggest goals that we have. We were coming into this world for a purpose, is to choose, to choose God. Not that He should just appear to us. We don't choose our parents, because our parents are clear to us. They're our father and mother. We don't have free choice when it comes to choosing our parents. But when it comes to choosing the creator of the world, although he is a bigger parent than any of our, of our parents, but yet Hashem made sure that it would be our choice. In order to be that choice, there has to be mashgiach mina halonot, but there has to be mesis mina harakim. And that's actually the majority of the time. The majority of the time is when you don't see openly that Hashem is involved. And for that, you need your emunah, which is your choice. How important is emunah in our lives? You know, we're talking here in the context of simha. But emunah is so much bigger than simha. Although simha is big. But emunah is even bigger than that. Meaning, we're not here just to talk about simha. Because emunah has so much more to it than that. So let me give you a few different sources so we can understand how integral emunah is in our lives. If you came here just to be sameah, so you need emunah. But then you're going to realize that emunah is going to bring you a lot more than that. It says in Masechet Makot, over there it talks about different great people through generations that needed to give their generation a little more clarity in what to work on specifically so they can reach the big goal. Which means that the Torah is a very big tree. Ayetz hayim means it's a tree of life. It gives life. 
to those who hold on to it. But like a tree, it has many branches. And to grab all the branches at once, for many people, that's very difficult. So you need to give them some branch to grab onto, so that they, from that branch, they'll be able, a strong branch that could carry them to the next branch. And then hopefully at some point, they'll be able to grab and hug all the branches. So through the generation, used to be in the older generations, it could be there were people, they were able to do everything at once, grab on to everything at one time. Now seven ishma, done. I'm in for everything. But then I guess through the generations, things got weaker like our generation. Even we're talking here in the times of Nevi'im. Where they needed to be focused on certain things. And from those things, they need to give them certain branches to work on. They didn't say, okay, here's your assignment. 613. That's it. That's all Torah. They couldn't do that anymore. They needed to give people a little more space. Okay, do these 10 things. Work on these 10. Micha came and said, okay, three. If you work on these three really good, you're going to graduate to get the whole tree. And then they got to a point, by the time it says in Habakkuk, Habakkuk says, He was able to take the entire Torah, the entire tree of life, and say, okay, you can just focus on one thing. doesn't mean neglect everything. It just means put all of your energy, the extra energy you have into this one thing, and from this one thing, it will open the door to all the other ones. What, who could do that? Who is capable of taking the entire Torah and narrowing it down to one thing to grab onto, which will take you to the rest? So we certainly could not do that. But Nevi'im could do that. Says the Gemara, Habakuk, Ba Habakuk, Emidan Al Ahat. Emidan means he took all of the mitzvot and said, okay, I'm going to put them all standing on one. Which one? He says, "Vetzadik be'emunato yichyeh." Means you want to live yichyeh. You want to live be'emunato. You need to work on your emuna. If you work on your emuna, if you're grabbing the emuna branch, you're gonna get much more than emuna. You're gonna get the whole tree, but you need to work on that one. It's the yesod. It's the foundation, just like when you walk by your building. If you never saw a building going up, you would never know that the strength of the building is in the part of the building that nobody sees. The strength of the building is in the foundation. Nobody sees that part. But that's the part that's holding the building. And if you would see a tree and never looked under, you would never realize that what's holding the tree and giving nutrition to the tree is the roots of the tree that are underground. Nobody could see them. But the things that nobody could see are the things that are giving the biggest strength. That's why Mesilat Yesharim says, Yesoda Hasidut, the foundation of greatness, and the roots of great perfection. What he's telling you is that very often, when we try to build ourselves, imagine building a building, and at some point, the building starts to shake. So every smart person knows the reason why it's shaking. Nothing was done wrong in the top. What's happening is that the foundation can't hold up anymore. 
your foundation, if it's for 10 floors, at 13, 14, 15, it's going to start shaking and it's going to fall down. A tree that's not having its functional, strong roots is going to have one wind comes and blow it down. It's just not healthy. So too by human being. When you see a human being striving higher and higher and higher, and at some point they just die out and they can't go anymore and they're just stuck. They go up, they go down, but they can't go anymore. They're, they, they're, they're done. What are they doing wrong? The answer is they have something at the root that is not functioning properly. That's not strong enough. And that is emuna. Betzadik be'emunato to live a great life, to live a sameach life, to live an accomplished life on the highest level, how far are you going to go in your life? How, how tall is your tree going to be? How high is your building going to be? Answer is, how, how is your emunah? According to your emunah foundation, that's how, grow, how tall you can grow in your life. That's why when you open up Shohan Aruch, Shohan Aruch has thousands and thousands of chapters. So many details, tens of thousands of details of halakha. Yet the first halakha in Shohan Aruch, he writes, Shiviti Adonai Lenegdi Tamid. He says, having Hashem in your sight, with you, always, he calls it who kelal gadol is a very important principle. The word ma'alot tzadikim means the different steps of tzadikim. What he means is, is that if we were to take tzadikim and try to compare them, who's better than that one? Okay, he is on step number 45. Where is he? 42, 48? Now we would never do that because it's not relevant. There's no need to compare tzaddikim. But what he's trying to tell us is, if we were to compare great people, what is it that we would use as our yardstick? What would be the measuring stick to know, oh, this person, oh, oh they're top. This one, not as much. Are we measuring their kindness? Is that what we're using as the barometer? To know who's greater? Oh, they do more kindness, they go higher. Are we using their Torah, their wisdom? Are we using their derech Are we using their tefillah? What exactly do we use when we want to measure great people? What are the ma'alot? The ma'alot means the steps, the rungs on that ladder of greatness. What is it that makes you a higher rung or a lower rung? What is it that we're measuring? What are we looking at? A human being is made up of so many parts. Which part are we focused on? Says the Shohan Aruch. Shiviti Hashem Basically, emuna. How much of your day is spent with Hashem? It doesn't matter where you are. It could be you're in kolel, it could be in your yeshiva, it could be you're in business, it could be you're in school, it could be your shopping, it could be your cooking, it could be your drug. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't say you have to be a certain type of person. He's saying you just have to, how much of your day are you living with Hashem? You could be in work all day and you could fulfill this every second of the day. And you could be learning all day Torah and you could fulfill it none of the day. A person could learn Torah. He loves it. He's in church. He's excited about it. He's learning. 
Where's Hashem? He forgot Hashem. He's now involved in Torah. So not necessarily what we do externally is going to make a difference. Of course, it can make a big difference, but it's not necessarily what's going to determine if we are fulfilling this great ma'alot. So if you want to know what makes a person great and how we measure great people, look at shiviti Hashem l'nerdi tamid. Look at how much of his day is spent with Hashem. David HaMelech says an unbelievable pasuk. You know, it's very, it would be very hard for us to imagine how David HaMelech could write this pasuk. That's because we don't know. We never saw this man. He's a giant of a human being. He was a Malach Hashem. And he writes, Kol mitzvotecha emuna. Who could have imagined such a thing? Kol mitzvotecha. He tells Hashem, all your mitzvot. Do you have any mitzvot there? Just Pesach alone has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of details of mitzvot. Shabbat, thousands and thousands of details. Kol mitzvotecha, all of your mitzvot, says David HaMelech, all of them, emunah. What does that mean? What does that mean, they're all emunah? It means what the Mesilat Yesharim says. The Mesai Sharim says over there, Ve'en HaKadosh Baruch Hu Hafetz Ela Be'emunah. Hashem only wants one thing from us. That's it. Like Habakkuk says, Emunah. All the mitzvot that we do is an expression of Emunah. But really, ultimately, when you're sitting there and you're eating kosher, you know what you're doing? It's Emunah. And when you watch your mouth and don't say the wrong words, you know what you're doing? Uh, you're keeping Lasharana, but you really, that's just, what you, that's just the detail. But what you're really doing is emuna. When you're keeping Shabbat, it's emuna. When you go to learn Torah, it's emuna. When you pray, it's emuna. Whatever it is that you do in your life, call mitzvotecha. It's just another expression of emuna. You have emuna when you buy clothing, make sure there's no shatnes. You have emuna when you buy food. You have emuna when you. Whatever it is that you do in your life, whether you're shopping for clothing, shopping for food, you're going on vacation, or you're sitting home, whether... everything we do in our lives is an expression of emunah. Right now, we're sitting here learning Torah, called mitzvotecha emunah. It's just another way to express our emunah. Now again, a person can do mitzvot without emunah. Sometimes we make the mitzvah the thing, and we forget that Hashem is the, on the other side. So the relationship is not there. But the actions are there. That's, that, that would be a terrible thing. And we can get into that habit of doing mitzvot without Hashem. But the purpose of mitzvot, says David HaMelech, called mitzvotecha emunah. The Mishra Isharim says, because the purpose of life is lehit aneg. Lehit aneg means to have pleasure. Hashem made this world to give us pleasure, which we'll discuss one day in the future, because we'll need that too, for simha. But lehit aneg, the ultimate lehit aneg, he says, is lehit aneg al Hashem. Lehit aneg al Hashem means that the highest level of ta'anug, ta'anug means pleasure, is to have a constant 
relationship with the creator of the world. If you live with Hashem every second of your day, you are living Olam Haba. This is Ta'anug. The greatest Ta'anug is to have a relationship with the creator of the world. Not three times a day in your tefillah, but all day. The more of the relationship, the more you spend time with each other, the more Ta'anug. That's why when David Melech was leaving this world and he was giving instructions to his son Shalomo, he tells him, Da et Elohe Avicha. Ve'abdehu. He doesn't say serve Hashem. Abdehu is serve Hashem. Do mitzvot. Do the right thing. Imagine a father, a grandfather is passing away. He tells his son, just do the right thing in life. Make the right choices. Make good decisions. That's what he tells him. Ve'abdehu. Make the right choices. But first he says, Da et Elohe Avicha. You got to know first the creator of the world. Because if you don't know, without emunah, even your service to Hashem, even your mitzvot will be empty. It will be lacking the goal and the purpose. It's like building a building and then not renting it to anybody. It's like building a house and never living in it. You built a beautiful home, but the whole purpose is to live in the home. Doing a mitzvah is the external. The real ruah, the neshama of the mitzvah is emunah. I must read with you this Ramban. Very, very beautiful Ramban. A very essential Ramban. Ramban is one of the great commentaries on Chumash. The Ramban says in the end of Parashat Bo. He says, how come Hazal tell us in Pirkei Avot, that a person should be as careful with a light mitzvah, what we see is a lightweight mitzvah, not, a, not from the heavyweights. But be careful in a light mitzvah the same way you're careful in a heavy mitzvah. No difference. Be careful. Kippur, oh, very careful, heavy. Pesach, Hamed, very heavy. Says, lightweight mitzvot, be just as careful. There's no difference in how careful you have to be in the mitzvot. Says the Ramban, why? How come? Why, why isn't it that I should be more careful in one than the other? Says the Ramban, listen to these words. Shekulan hamudot vahavivot me'od. Just first of all, all the mitzvot are very dear, are very special. Because each mitzvah that we do is an expression of saying thank you. Hashem gives us every second, everything. So our expression of thank you is doing mitzvot. Listen to it. Now the words I want to share with you. Vekavanat Call ha-mitzvot. He says, and the purpose of every mitzvah that we do. Kavanat kol ha-mitzvot. What is the purpose of all the mitzvot? Shena'amin belohenu. That we have emunah. And when you have emunah, when you live with Hashem, and He's constantly giving you things, automatically, no de'elah, you're constantly thanking Him. That's what David Melech meant. When he said, Kol mitzvotecha emunah. 
And we see this important principle by the holiday of Sukkot. We go, Am Yisrael goes through a month of Elul, a month of Selichot, a month of preparation for Yom Hadin, a month of introspection, a month of Teshuvah, a month of Hizuk. Everybody here has gotten a little more strength in Elul than other months of the year. We have no idea how much of a role Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Aseret Emeteshuvah, Kippur has played in our lives. It could be that whoever is listening to this class is only listening because of the hashpa'ah of those days. We don't see the change right away. But it could be we're here just because of those days. Elul is a month of preparation for Rosh Hashanah. Comes Yom Hadin, a big day, a day of tefillah. And then Aseret Emeteshuvah. Days where we make changes in our lives, small changes, big changes. And then Yom Kippur, that's Yom Kadosh, a holy day of the year, where we don't eat, we're like Malachim, we don't eat, we don't get involved in any physical pleasures. We're like Malachim, like angels. That's the peak. And then Hashem says to us, okay, you finished all of these days, now, we're going to have the days of Sukkot. In Tehillim, David HaMelech describes the relationship of Sukkot and Kippur and Aset, all these days, in the following words. Let me read it for you. Semolo tahat leroshi. Semolo, that Shlomo HaMelech is describing, that Hashem's left hand is under the back of his head. Oh, imagine that somebody is falling backwards. So someone takes their hand and puts their left hand behind their head in order to catch them. Semolo tahat leroshi vimino tehabekeni. And then he takes his right hand and then he hugs me. First he holds my head from falling backwards and then he takes his right hand and he hugs me and brings me close to him. Hazal explained what, what is the mashal. I said Tehillim, but <clears throat> it's Shira Shirim. What, what is the, the nimshal here? What, what is the message? Hazal says something interesting. They say that the Yamim Noraim are split into two. That until Yom Kippur, it's Semolo Tahat Leroshi. It's like Hashem grabbing us before we fall. Sukkot comes, Viminote Habekeni. What is the relationship? Of Sukkot to the Amim Noraim. Seemingly they have nothing to do with each other. One is Zeman Simhatenu. Day of Sukkot. Where we sit in the Sukkah. We celebrate. The Amim Noraim all about Teshuvah. About change. Sukkot is not about change. The theme of Sukkot. Seemingly has nothing to do. With the theme of. The Amim Noraim. Yet in the Pasuk. 
they're being brought together as if they have a relationship. Where one is catching the back of the head, that's the day Yamim Noraim, and comes Sukkot and brings it all in. As if, it almost sounds like as if, that Sukkot is the end, it's the final product of the Yamim Noraim. It's not Yamim Noraim and then Sukkot, no, no. It's the package which begins with Yamim Noraim and ends with Sukkot. What does Sukkot have to do with Teshuvah? What does it have to do with changing ourselves? So the answer is a very beautiful answer. Let me give you a mashal. A person goes out to the backyard, he sees this beautiful tree that he's waiting for the perot to grow, for the leaves to come, to, for the branches. And he comes out and he sees they're all rotten. Everything's rotten. The branches are rotten, the fruits are rotten. Everything is what bad. He isn't, he's not just a smart person. He goes outside, takes his farming tools, and he cuts off all the branches that are rotten, all the fruits, all the parts on the tree that he sees are rotten. He comes, he cuts them all off. After he finishes, he works 30 days, 40 days on this tree, and finally he goes back, looks at the tree, and says, Ah, Rosh healthy. Look at that. There's not one rotten part on this tree. Anything rotten was dismissed, gone. Now we all know what's going to happen. The next time something grows on that tree, it's going to be rotten again. And he's going to wonder, what happened? Didn't I cut off the rotten branches already? Had the new ones come back? If you were to ask anybody that question, you would tell them, listen, sir, you did a, you did a, a, a facade. This is not a, not a real change. You thought you changed, but you just did a cosmetic change. You didn't make a real change in your tree by cutting off the rotten branches. If you want to make a real change in your tree, you have to go treat the roots. The roots have something wrong with them. And if you don't fix them, they're going to continue sending the signals to make rotten fruits and rotten branches. You haven't done anything. It may look cosmetically like you did something, but in essence, you haven't really changed a tree. So now he goes and he spends an entire week fixing the branches, excuse me, the roots of that tree, and all of a sudden the tree begins to blossom beautifully. This is our situation by the Yamim Nuraim. Yamim Nuraim, we make vidui. We think about the things that we did wrong. We think about the opportunities that we missed. We think about how much more we can, we're capable of doing. And we say, you know what? This year, that's it. No more Lashonara. That's it. Enough. This year, Kibbut Abayim, perfect. This year, I'm going to watch everything I do. I'm going to watch everything I say. I'm going to... Beautiful. A sincere, I'm talking about a sincere person who goes through the Yamim Noraim sincerely, makes vidui, makes kabbalot, and decides this year, this is the year. Reshit Hashana, this is the year. But we know what happens to most of us. While we may retain certain things, many of the things that we thought about 
are way, way gone, forgotten. The tree got rotten again. While we may have cut off all the rotten branches and fruits, within a short time, we see we're right back where we were before. Hey, how did this happen? Didn't I cut this off? How did I get back to the same spot? I took it upon myself. I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk during tefillah. I'm going to have concentration. I'm going to read Taylim. I'm going to be good to this. I'm going to be good to that. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be Tzanua. I'm going to be... And all of a sudden, what happened to me? Now, this has happened to every single one of us. It could be on many things or even on small things. What happened? Didn't we decide? Didn't we cut the branch? The answer is, he didn't fix the root. Means Hashem just catches us from falling. That's just to cut the branches off. So we don't fall. Because with the branches on the tree that are rotten, it's going to destroy the whole tree. Cut the branches off. That's what Yamim Noraim do. But then, he needs If you don't have the right hand that hugs you, that's Sukkot. Sukkot is the treatment of the shoresh. It's the treatment of the roots. That whatever you decided that you want to cut off in the last 40 days, now it's time to treat the roots that they will never come back. That's what the yamin to habakini means. Come, Hashem said, come, what is it? I'll bring you close to me. Now you, what, what is Sukkot all about? Sukkot all about emunah. That's what Sukkot is all about. It's about a time of emunah. When you leave your house, you go live outside, you live with emunah. That is treating the problems at the Shoresh. So yes, Sukkot is the end of the Yamim Nuraim. It's Teshuvah from the roots. I'd like to give you one example in Tanakh. And it could be I've used this example before, but I don't have a better one. So I'm going to have to share with you this example in this class because I think it's the most powerful example. There may be others that I'm not aware of. So I'm going to go straight to the top. The Pasuk describes Mi Haish Yere Adonai. Mi Haish Yere Adonai. Who is this man that's truly God fearing? Now, God fearing, the word Yera, fear, is the same word as Lirot, to see. You can only have fear of Hashem if you see Hashem, if you live with Emunah. You can't be afraid of something you don't see. Right now, if there's something coming at me, I don't see it, I'm not afraid. I can only be afraid when I know something is there. So therefore, says the Hashem. Who is this person? Who is Yireh Hashem? Says the Midrash, I'll tell you what it is. Says the Midrash, 
זה אברהם. דבר אחר זה יוסף. Like it says in the Pasuk, when he told Paro, את האלוהים אני ירא. I live with Hashem. I have Yirat Shamayim. I fear God. Now I think it's important for every person to realize and to question first. Why, if someone would tell you, why did the creator of the world share with us in the Torah the story of Yosef? Now I want you to know that Yosef's story occupies in the Torah four parashiyot. That's huge. Four parashiyot just on his story. Just in comparison, Hilchot Shabbat, all the things we can't do on Shabbat, the Torah says, Lot ta'aseh kol melacha. Don't do any melacha. That in there has all the 39 melachot, cooking, kneading, planting, whatever you think of Shabbat is there. Where's all the detail? Torah Shabbat. But when it comes to Yosef and his story, four weeks of parashiyot that we're reading, all about Yosef's life. And everybody knows the story. We don't need to go through the story of Yosef. Everyone knows it because it takes so much real estate in the Torah. And if someone would ask you, okay, so you know the story of Yosef. Could you tell me what the bottom line takeaway message is from the Torah? What is it the Torah wanted to teach me in this story of Yosef that I must spend four weeks on? What, what, what is the message? What is the takeaway that I need to take with me? I don't want to just read stories and say, okay, well, now it's next week. We're done with that one. No, no, I want to. It's something that I need to take home with me. So simply, I think if this question would be asked to any individual, any knowledgeable individual, they would say, well, it's very simple. You see a man who had very difficult times. His emunah and Hashem was very strong. He kept fighting. He kept getting up. Even as they were pushing him down, he got up and he got up again. And look, look what happened. He became the Mishneh Lamelech. He became basically the power of Mitzrayim. Very powerful man. Look at the reward of somebody who sticks with his beliefs, with his values, doesn't get thrown off by what's going on around him, stay strong, things that we know are very difficult. Yosef was able to do that. A 17-year-old young man living by himself in a foreign land, very difficult nisayon. We have much more easier nisayonot that we fail. But Yosef had very big nisayon. He kept strong, he kept his values, he didn't waver. Amazing. And look, zo mitzvah vezo schala. Look at the mitzvah, look at his life, and look what he ended up with. Look at the greatness of what happened to him. His promotion to become the Mishneh Lamelech of Mitzrayim. That's what it would seem like on the surface. But really, anybody with a Torah mind, anyone with that Torah knows that that cannot be the reward of this. That cannot be the story. Because if we would know anything about a Gadol, 
we have Gedolim today, great people, people who we saw passed on, people who are still with us. And Yosef is way more gigantic than any Gadol that we have today. So if we could just compare, imagine you went to Reb Chaim Kanievsky, Shalom, and when he was 80 years old, he says, Reb Chaim, you know, just want to tell you, Hashem is very proud of you. You've done a great job. You've studied Torah. You've been serving the Jewish people. You've been doing mitzvot. You're living with tremendous emunah in Hashem. And for that, you are now going to be rewarded. You're going to be the new prime minister of Egypt. Do you think Rav Chaim Kanyashi is like, oh wow, that's awesome. Really? I could be the prime minister of Egypt? You mean like 50 million, 100 million Arabs? That's great. Wow, I'm the prime minister? Or better yet, you will be the new mayor of Las Vegas. <laughs> because Egypt at the time was sin city. The morality over there was down under, on the bottom. Do you think any gadol? Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not a gadol. But if someone told me I'm going to be the mayor of Las Vegas, I would run for the hills. I want to be the mayor of Las Vegas. Why would I want that? I have nothing to do with that. That would not be a promotion. For some people it might be. But someone who has his life in Shiviti Hashem Lenegdi he's interested to be the Prime Minister of Egypt. What does he care about the, being the Prime Minister of Egypt? Since when did that become an important value in Judaism? So that's the story. You become strong, you live with Emunah, you get promoted to be the Prime Minister of Mitzrayim. And everybody's like, oh, wow, we gotta go, we gotta go for that. And obviously, it makes sense. It's not what it is. It's, it's taut. So what then is the message? Because that seems to be the storyline. The storyline seems to be, look at this man who started up here, went down, 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 and then started going up and up and became top. What's the top? The Prime Minister of Israel. That's the story. That's, that's not my story. That's Torah's story. So where are we going wrong here? So the answer is a very simple answer, but you got to see through it. And when you understand, kol mitzvotecha emunah, you start seeing the story in a whole different light. First of all, the story of Yosef is all about emunah. That's what you see constantly in the story of Yosef. From the beginning, when his father sent him to go check after his brothers, he knew his brothers were not so happy with him. When Yosef went to check after them, he knew that they were out to get him. And this would be a great opportunity for them. But yet, he went. Says the Pasez Rashi, he told his father, Hineni. Hineni means, I'm going. Says Rashi, Lashon anava uzrizut. Humility and zealousness. He went to do the mitzvah of his father. Says Rashi, Af he knew his brothers were not happy with him. He knew they were up to no good. But he went anyway, because his father told him. He had emunah in his father. When he went down to Mitzrayim, and now he became a slave, he went from the being the, a prince in Yaakov Avinu's home, 
to be a slave in Egypt? Says the Pasuk, Vayhi Adonai et Yosef. Hashem was with Yosef. Now this is not trying to credit God. It's trying to credit Yosef. It means that Yosef took Hashem with him. Vayhi Hashem et Yosef. Vayhi Ish Matzliah. He was Matzliah. He was a Eved. He was successful. And then they put him in jail. He got even more down on them. What happened there? Says the Pasu again. He was there in jail. Again, who is with him in jail? Hashem is with him in jail. Wow. There was a certain hasad on Yosef. People loved Yosef because they saw godliness in him. You know why? Because he took God wherever he went. Paro is rushing. I need you. I need someone to interpret my dreams. Now. <clears throat> they come, they grab him. Yosef, we need you now. Paro is calling for you. Says the Pasuk. They grabbed him from the board. He said, I'm sorry, wait. I have to shave. I have to cut my hair. I can't. I can't see. This is not kavod. The Melech wants you now. I will not go to the Melech like this. Not kavod. I need a new change of clothing. Vaygalah. Says Rashi, Where does a man get this coolness, this amazing emunah? He's waiting 12 years in jail to get out. This is your chance. Paro tells him, Halom, Halamti, I heard about you, Yosef. You're a great man. You're a master interpreter of dreams. He tells him, Stop. Biladai, it's not true. What you heard about me is not true. I don't know what you heard about me. Bil'adai, not me. Elohim ya'ane et shalom paro. Now you're talking to an atheist who's convincing Egyptians that he's the God. He tells them, if God will answer you through me, then he will. Has nothing to do with me. You don't do that in the first job interview with Paro. That's not smart. But Yosef, throughout the story, shows his amazing emunah by living with Hashem and making the right decisions as hard as they may be, as difficult as the situation may be. How many situations in our lives are so difficult? But if we take Hashem with us, then all of a sudden we'll become Ishmatzliah. You know, we ate matzah and Pesach. Matzah is the bread of Emunah. I'm not going to discuss why now. It's called the bread of Emunah. When we eat Matzah, we lean. We lean because this is Derech Herut. This is the way we express our freedom. Like we're special. We're no longer slaves. When we eat Maror, the bitter herbs, we don't lean. Somebody asks you why not. Simple. If you're commemorating the bitter times, it's not a time to lean. What are you leaning at? Eating maror. So the question is, why when we make a sandwich of korech, why then, when we put the maror in the matzah, then we lean? Why are you leaning? There's maror in there. So some explain beautifully that maror by itself 
is bitter. You can't lean from Maror. But if you put Maror with Matzah, with Emunah, then even the Maror tastes good. Even the Maror makes sense. Even the Maror can be a sign of Herut, of freedom. Yosef, wherever he goes, he takes Hashem with him. Now it's very hard for us sometimes to do that. Sometimes you're in a very difficult predicament. But that's what's going on with Yosef. Yosef is a story of Emunah. But you'll ask me, but wasn't the reward that he became the Prime Minister? No, that wasn't the reward. Let me explain to you what happened. Let me tell you what the significance of him becoming the leader of Egypt was. You know, in life, probably the biggest measure of Emunah is when we deal with people. Because while if a, if, a, if a rocket from the sun strikes us, we'll see God's hand and figure out how to make our connection to Him. When it comes to people, it's very hard to see Hashem. When that guy's yelling at you, when that guy's suing you, when that guy embarrassed you, when that one took your spot, when that one took your shiduf, when that one spoke Lashonara about you, when that one... To see Hashem in that, that's very difficult. Because you're seeing something clear. What do you mean? They took my thing. What does that mean? No, no. They didn't take it. Hashem took it. Well, they just embarrassed me in public. No, they didn't. They didn't. It's very hard. It's very hard to have issues with people and yet to take Hashem with you even there. That's very difficult. So to end up as a slave in Mitzrayim, it's very hard. But what makes it very more difficult is that you know who put you there? Your brothers. Your brothers tried to kill you. I mean, they threw you in the boar. Then they decided, oh, we'll have Rahmanut on you. So they went ahead and they sold you. And then look where you ended up. And years and years in your suffering. And all because of them. How many people can we attribute suffering in our lives to? Sometimes for a minute and sometimes for for all time. And Yosef had this difficult situation. And he kept graduating. Wherever Hashem put him, he graduates. He shows Emunah by Yaakov's house. Then he shows Emunah as an Ever. He shows Emunah as a slave, as, 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 a, as a prisoner. He shows Emunah with Paro. Wherever he goes, he's just keep going. Boom. He's going higher and higher. And what's the highest? What is the highest level of Emunah? So now, Hashem makes it, sets up the table for him. That he becomes the most powerful man in Egypt. As clearly told by Paro, he told him, Atati ye albeti, you, Yosef, are now in charge of my palace. You're running the show. Ve alpicha isha kol ami, my entire nation will only listen to you. Which means that Yosef had complete, absolute power in Mitzrayim. In fact, Paral gave him his ring, the ring where he signs all of his decisions and decrees. That ring is everything. You have that ring, you do what, whatever you want to anyone you want. 
Yosef got to a point where he was given absolute power to do whatever he wants and nobody would ask. Nobody would care. He was the one. It's not like the United States of America and there's a court and there's a Supreme Court. and the, It's not like that. Do whatever you want. And all of a sudden Hashem made Ra'av. And he made a famine. And all of a sudden his brothers who made his life miserable for so many years are now coming to him and they're pleading with him to give them what they need. And he's the perfect opportunity. Here it is. You have complete power. You could do whatever you want to them. And this was the strongest test of Emunah when Yosef was given the chance to avenge his suffering. What would he do? And he does the impossible. Hashem set up this great moment of him being the prime minister for this moment right here. Which Hashem, which Torah tells us, when he finally reveals himself to him, to them, he tells them, I want you to know, Lo atem shelahtem otihena. You, first he says, Ani Yosef Ahichem, don't think I forgot. I'm your brother. Asher mechartem oti mitzrayma. The Torah wants us to know clear that he did not have amnesia. I am your brother, Yosef, that you sold me to Mitzrayim. Remember that? But then he says to them, but don't worry, I have no issue with you. You know why I have no issue with you? You think all these years I was thinking about how you sent me here? It wasn't you. I, I don't live with you. Elohim Hashem sent me here. What, what do you mean? They threw him in the bar. They sold him. They... No, no, it wasn't you. I don't see that. I have emunah that Hashem is the one that wanted me in Egypt for whatever reason. That's why he was Matzliach all along. And the greatest test is when his brothers came. And the Torah is telling us four parashiyot. It's worthy to read four parashiyot. Hilchot Shabbat, you need one pasuk. But four parashiyot to learn about the story of this man. How he rose to power and he had the greatest opportunity. Hashem gave him everything in his power and nobody would say a word if he took revenge. A lot of times we also want to take revenge, but we can't. We don't have the power. We're afraid. He didn't have any of that. Nothing holding him back. He could do. Imagine your biggest enemy, and you could do whatever you want to them, and no one will ever know. Boom. Eliminate them. Nobody will know. All your problems are solved. All the issues that are constantly coming up, solved. Beautiful. They're standing in the way of all your barakhawat. Eliminate them. You can't, because... You have to answer up to the police. Answer up to people. Yosef had nobody to answer. Complete power. He says, I have nothing that I feel against you. Because you did not send me here. You may have a hashbon with Hashem. He tells them, You did a bad thing. And you have to deal with God. Elohim 
But as far as I'm concerned, Hashem sent me because He knew this is the best for me. Unbelievable. The whole story of Yosef is a story to educate us about Emunah. In case you ever wonder how important Emunah is in the Torah. Four parashiot and one message. Emunah. We see David Melech and his greatness graduated. The Zohar says he became, I don't know what that means, but he became the fourth leg of the Kiseh HaKavod. Hashem has a Kiseh, a chair, whatever that means. And they have four legs on the chair. The other three, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. The fourth one, who made it? David. The Zohar says, why David? Why David? Because David Melech had a very similar challenge. He was being chased through the streets of Yerushalayim by his son Absalom, who wanted to kill him and take power. And in the middle of this the embarrassing moment of his life, the most difficult moment of his imagination, comes one of the Gedolei Ador, Shemei Ben Gera, and starts cursing at him in public, calling him names. What a moment! There's a moment. And David Melov's men go out to kill Shemei Ben Gera. He's Mored Bamalchut, he rebelled against the king. Rightfully so, he should get killed. David says, don't touch him. Do not touch him. Not now, at least. Because now it looks like we're taking revenge. Looks like we want to kill him because he's standing in our way. He may have to get killed because he has to get killed. But not that it should come from me. He tells him, Leave him, let him curse. Ki amar lo Hashem. He's not cursing. Hashem is cursing. Hashem wants me to be cursed right now. Hashem wants Avshalom to chase after me. That's what it is. It is what it is. Don't, don't waste your time killing him. There's nothing to do with it. If it didn't come from him, it comes from somebody else. Says the Zohar, this Tehillim, that's not why. All his great things that he accomplished, Melech Israel, he found the place of the Beit HaMikdash. Nothing. None of those things earned him to be the fourth leg of the Kiseh What did earn him to be the fourth leg of the Kiseh That moment. Imagine a moment in your life that could earn you the highest level of Hatzlacha. What is that moment? The moment when you look at somebody and it looks like they're doing something to you, and you say, no, Hashem did it to me. I have Emunah. It's not Him. It's Hashem. Gamzu Tovah. That's what we say. Which means we don't look at what our eyes see and say, oh, it's no good. It's also good. That's what you see is no good. It's also good. Because how could Hashem do bad? You just have to know it's coming from Hashem. The judgments of Hashem are true. They are true when they're together. What does that mean when they're together? It means when you see everything together, you'll realize. There's much more that you don't see, that we don't understand. For that, you need emuna. You know, there's a great rabbi. You've heard his name, I'm sure. Great Tana. One of the great Tanaim. His name is Nahum Ish Gamzu. Nahum, he was Ish Gamzu. His whole life, he was known that anything that happened, Gamzu Otova. Nahum Ish Gamzu. What's surprising about this name that's given to him, whenever you read anything he says, there, oh, Nahum Ish Gamzu says. It's a little bit not nice because he was one of the Gedole Tanaim. And Tanaim have a special name that we call them by. We say Rabbi. 
Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Tarfon, after Hillel and Shammai, all of the Tanaim have the name Rabbi, it's a special name, only for Tanaim. In Moraim they have Rav, Rav Yehuda, Rav Asher. But Tanaim, Rabbi, it's great, Rabbi, my Rabbi. So Hazit, Nahum Ish Gamzu, because he would say Ish Gamzu, he would say Gamzu Latova, for the rest of his life and for the rest of history, no one ever called him Rabbi Nahum. Imagine they would see him in the street and say, hey, Nahum Ish Gamzu. Hello, Nahum Ish Gamzu. Rabbi Nahum. It's not nice. Why they give him the name Nahum Ish Gamzu? So one of the great rabbis writes, you see from here, that to be Ish Gamzu is a greater title than to be Rabbi. To be Rabbi is a great thing. To be called a rabbi, my rabbi, beautiful. But to be Ish Gamzu, oh, that's even bigger. That's like, wow, who can get that name? You're, you're Ish Gamzu, that's, you're giving him the highest honor. It's like you're calling him the chief rabbi, he's a tap. He's all bigger than that. It says by Sarai Menu. It repeats, The life of Sarah was, Me'ashana, Ve'esrim shana, Ve'sheva shanim. 127 years, These are the years of the life of Sarah. Our rabbis ask, why did you repeat that? It says, in the beginning, Why in the end it says, These are the years of Sarah. Rashi Allah Shalom says, Kulan, Shavim which means all 127 years were equally good. So when you read that without much thinking or much knowledge, you say, oh wow, okay, wow, great, what a life she had. I wish to have a life like Sarai Menu. Really? You want to have no children for 90 years? Is that what you're wishing for? Kulan Shavim What are you talking about? She had no issues. She had plenty. There's no bigger issue for a woman than to be married 90 years or to be 90 years old without a child. No grandchild, no great-grand, nothing. It's her and Abraham. That's not an easy thing for anyone. Kulan Shavim. Would you ever look at a person who's like that and say, wow, they lived a good life. When was the good life? All of it was a good life. Kulan Shavim. Shavim, the word Shavim means equal. They were all equally good. Okay, I understand what she got. It's hot. That's, wow, that was a great moment. And a first child in 90, wow, what a moment. But 88 also, 88 also was Shavim Latova. Who heard of Shadri? When you read this line in Rashi, you say someone was drunk when they wrote that. How could you write? Kulan Shavim, Shavim, equally good. So this was not describing what Hashem did for Sarah. This is describing what Sarah lived with. Sarah is the great-grandmother of Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik came from somewhere. This was the Avot HaKtoshim and the Imot HaKtoshot. They lived with Emunah. In Sarah's mind, yes, it was difficult. Tova doesn't mean it's not difficult. There are many good things in life that are not easy. Good and easy don't always come together. But things could be difficult and could be very good. It wasn't easy not to have a child. I don't think Sarah thinks it was easy. But it was tough. Because 
Sarah had a clear emunah. That if the box says there's chocolates inside, there's chocolates inside. Ah, you don't see the chocolates. I know, but the manufacturer is trusted. I know him. He never lies. He never makes mistakes. If he says there's chocolates, there's chocolates. That's what Sarah and Menu live with. If that's what Hashem wants, then that's what I need. And that's what's good. I have to pray. I have to try. I have to do my ishtadlut. That's of course, that's my job. But if Hashem's decision is that, let Tova. It's equally as good. It's a high level to achieve in life. But it's something that we can achieve. If Sarah and Menu could achieve it, we're from the grandchildren of Sarah and Menu. And we need to be proud of that. And more than being proud, to realize that the same DNA that she had, we also have. One of the great praises of Am Yisrael, that we are Am Ma'amin. We are Ma'aminim B'nei Ma'aminim. That's not just to say, oh, also our fathers were Ma'aminim. It's telling you, if you see in your fathers and your grandfathers and your patriarchs, Emuna, you should know you're Ma'aminim, Benem Ma'aminim. You're from that stock. You're no different than that. You have the same ability that they have. This is our first step in Emuna, is to realize what is Emuna first. Emuna means Hashem, Asa, He created the world. That's easy. He's awesome. And he is the one that's doing. And our life and our expression of everything that our greatness is, Shiviti Hashem Tamid. This is our goal, our mission, is to realize that living with Hashem is the greatest accomplishment. And all the mitzvot that we do is pointing to that goal and that purpose to bring that feeling of emunah in every single thing that we do and even when the trouble is coming and even when it's coming through humans and it's coming through difficult situations kulan shavin they're all equally good that's where we need to get I can't promise that we're here I know that we're far away perhaps but at least we know what the goal is that's the goal the goal is to see the box clear and to know that if that's what he says in the box, it's in the box. Even though I don't see it with my eyes, but I know it because I have emunah. Ezat Hashem will continue in the coming weeks with more detail on how to get there. Baruch Amen.